Well, it's taken a week, but I think I'm awake. Um, uh, I would love to spend some time, uh, you know, telling you all that, uh, all the various little ins and outs of that little three-week uh, European thing, but uh, we can't do that. Um, I, I will say, my wife is not here tonight, so I can really go crazy, um, but um, uh, she's getting better. You know, she, she is one that really hates to travel and has uh, all along, but she's getting better, and um, um, uh, <laughs> she'll kill me for telling this, but um, uh, I think I know why she's getting better uh, uh, on, on a couple of occasions. Uh, one was we were in Munich, and I was preaching in Munich, on, on a, and uh, afterwards people came up and were all, you know, just, uh, thank you, well, that was just nothing. And um, she was standing real close to me, and, and um, this, this German girl comes up to me, and she says, did your wife ever model in magazines? <laughs> and I said, yeah, yeah, she did. Actually, she did, but I said, yeah, she did. And, and she said, well, I thought so. She is so beautiful. <laughs> well, Susie's spirit kind of picked up from that point forward. <laughs> she really kind of enjoyed this thing. Um, we, we did, you know, this, 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 um, this conference, this four-day thing where I trained a, the Gabor staff. Many of you have met Gabor Grace, who is just a, is just a gem. But um, that was really the highlight of the whole thing. And the, the first thing that we did was on the first time that, that uh, we really spoke, they interviewed me and Susie. Um, they wanted to get to know us, et cetera. And it was very interesting to watch after that hour-long interview how this staff raced to my wife, uh, it, particularly, the, I mean, the, the females in the, in the staff. They, they really wanted to get to know Susie, and, you know, I don't blame them. Um, there's a lot there to know, but uh, anyway, so uh, as a result of some of those things, she's getting better at this, at this traveling gig, so uh, maybe it'll be easier. Um, guys, uh, we're, we're going to uh, unfold wrap something tonight, and I hope uh, it'll be profitable for us in the coming days. And, but um, having prayed uh, much, uh, you just can't imagine how much I prayed, about what I should do um, uh, after the book of Romans, um, and hopefully being led by God's Spirit, um, it seemed to me most fitting that we... Um, that I kind of end my ministry uh, on the same book with which I started it. Um, and that is the book of Galatians. Now, l- let me tell you a little bit about that story, or let me explain my, my comment. Um, Susie and I both became Christians uh, in 1970. Um, I hadn't been a Christian very long when somebody asked me to teach a Bible study. And I knew that you were supposed to do that, but I didn't know ex- a whole lot about what those were. Uh, I'd never been to one. I'd never been to a Bible study before. Um, but um, a man who had somewhat taken an interest in our spiritual development, his name was Jim Bland, he gave me a book. He gave me this book, this exact book. I've had this book for 40 years. Um, he called it a commentary. I had never heard that word before. I, I didn't know what a commentary was. But I was asked to teach a Bible study. They, they picked the book that I was supposed to teach. And they gave me this, this, this thing here, this, this commentary. And I, with the Bible and this book, uh, taught a, a, um, a Bible study in the book of Galatians. I still have those notes uh, from, from 1970.
from Fort Lauderdale in 1970. Um, but they're, they're, in fact, I, by the way, uh, I also taught Galatians here once before. When Gracie Van first started, uh, we were still having a Bible study in Russ Garner's home. Um, I went, I taught the book of Galatians. And so, um, so now, um, as, we, as we get to the twilight of my years, I thought, it's the place I started it's, um, it's the place that I want to end. Um, I, I will say a lot of this has to do with timing um, in terms of the size of the book of Galatians. I mean, if I move at the same rate um, through the book of Galatians that I moved at uh, in the book of Romans, that will be a chapter a year, um, which would mean that I would finish the study of Galatians when I was 71 years old. And I don't think any of you want me around here when I'm 71 years old. So um, we're going we're gonna to try to move a, a little bit faster. Um, but I, I want to explain more about what went into choosing to go back to the, to the book of, in, uh, of um, Galatians. Um, maybe you know some of this, but I, I hope it'll be um, stimulating to you to hear it again. But most people would say, most scholars would say that... Um, that the, that the book of Galatians in the New Testament is, um, is Romans written quickly. That Paul, um, faced with uh, the, the, the beginning of the church, um, had, having to make sure that she was founded on the right gospel, uh, writes the book of Galatians, and then later on, when he has much more time, he takes the book of Galatians as, as the first draft and then writes the book of Romans uh, from Galatians. That is, Galatians is Romans written quickly. Um, so, so the transition from going from, from Romans to Galatians is a, is a very smooth one. But the thing that draws me, guys, and I, and I really probably should save this for the last, but I, I, I don't know how much time we're going to have, and I, I don't want you to miss this because this is probably the only thing that, of substance that I'll say tonight. But um, there, there is an emphasis in the book of Galatians that is very dear, near and dear to my heart, and it is the emphasis of freedom. Um, it, is, um, it is a beloved theme in, in, my, in my life. Freedom. Um, someone called Galatians the Magna Carta, of Christian liberty. Um, You know, Luther, um, if you've ever read anything about Martin Luther, Martin Luther was a wild man. He was kind of a, uh, once he broke free from the Roman Catholic Church, he was a, he was a, he was just a rebel at heart. I am too. I, I'm, I'm a rebel at heart, um, but Martin Luther, my, my hero, he loved the book of Galatians, um, and, that, and I think one of the reasons that he loved it is the same reason that I love it, is because of one of the emphases of the book of Galatians is, is the whole idea of freedom. Now, guys... Um, um, 
I, you've got to ma- I've got to make sure that you understand some, some terminology because um, never fails. Um, what I'm doing um, is I'm going to use terms like this. Um, to me, the antithesis of legalism is grace. And, and, a, and a synonym that I use when I talk about grace is freedom. Um, legalism, of course, is anything but freedom. But there's, there's nothing that so derogates um, a performance-driven Christian living like understanding grace. By the way, I would put that uh, performance-driven. I would make those um, synonyms too. Legalism and performance-driven driven living, Christian living. That is that my worth and my value is based on how well I perform. Um, do, I, do I adhere to all the little codes that have been set up for me? That's, that's legalism. And nothing will undercut that faster than a proper understanding of grace. And, and, and one of the places where you're going to find grace defined the best is in this book of Galatians in his discussion about freedom and how people have crept in unawares trying to rob them of their freedom. And, and, and Paul opposes that in, in this book of Galatians. And so that's one of the reasons that, I, that, I, that I, I love to return to it. Because there's so much of this performance-driven Christian life in the Christian church and in Grace Evan. There's so much of, of that, that legal mishmash that kind of still influences our souls. And nothing will, will undercut it quicker than an understanding of grace. And that's what this book of Galatians is all about. Guys, when we begin to breathe in grace, we, we finally get to the place where we can be real. And, um, and, and once you understand grace, there's a, there's a sense which I am given permission to be honest with the people around me. I don't need to pretend anymore. In, in legalism, guys, you've got to meet certain standards to be considered spiritual. And so, so there's all this phoniness that goes on in legal circles and, and performance-driven Christianity. But just because Gracie Van is not a legalistic church, it doesn't mean that we're free from all this. We're not. And so one of the things that drew me back to the book of Galatians is that there's an emphasis in there on freedom, which, which only comes when I understand this whole idea of grace. So, so guys, that's, that's one of the things that I hope will, that, you will, that you will get more free because you understand more grace. And that's what Paul is discussing in this book. Another thing that drew me back to the book of Galatians is um, Galatians is a book that is written to protect and promote the gospel. Guys, there's a couple of verses in chapter 1 that we'll get to. I probably have mentioned verses 8 and 9 
in chapter 1. I probably have mentioned those two verses a hundred times across the history of Grace Evan. When where where Paul talks so much when he says, if any man bring another gospel other than the one that I brought to you, let him be a curse. Those two verses are absolutely singular in the New Testament. There's not another statement like them in the, in, in the New Testament anywhere where Paul in essence says, if you tamper with the gospel, may you come under a divine curse. May you go to hell. How many times have you heard me say that? Well, that's Galatians 1, verses 8 and 9. Because the book is designed, the book is written to promote and protect the gospel. That's what Paul, that's what drove him, is that the gospel and its definition was, 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 was under attack by Judaizers, and therefore he wrote the book to make sure it was very clear in the minds of, of the early church what the gospel really is. And I say to you, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know of another day in the history of the Christian church where there is more need to protect and promote the gospel than the one in which we live. When you've got people like Joel Osteen grabbing an audience that is worldwide, somebody needs to define the gospel. When you've got Joyce Meyer out there telling people that she's no longer that, that she's no longer a sinner and that Jesus ceased to be God when he when he when he went when he was on the cross and, and getting this massive worldwide following. When you've got the Pope telling the world that they can get seven years off of their purgatory if they will listen to tweets from his recent visit to Brazil, somebody somebody needs to protect and promote and to find the gospel. We've got a world that is, that is confused about what is, what is the simple terms of the gospel. You've got Kenneth Copeland and Kenneth Hagen, all this prosperity stuff, guys. Um, Karen Jordan sent out a... a, a um, I hope you all got it. If you didn't write her, you ought to, you ought to get it. It's this... This article about, written, about, uh, written by this guy, why I came out publicly against Joel Osteen and Joyce Meyer. Well, I've been out publicly for some time, but in that, in that blog that he writes, he includes a 10-minute video by John Piper. You ought to look at that. You know what he calls that whole thing, that prosperity gospel? He calls it an abomination. And an abomination it is. It's not. It's not, we can't be indifferent. It's not neutral. It's not amoral. It is downright abominable. And yet, Joel Osteen comes to town and people in this church buy tickets to go hear him. How? How can that happen? So, so that was another thing that drew me back to my roots. Speaking of my roots, I want to read you. This, this is a quote from uh, Luther. He says, um, In my heart reigns this one article, faith in my dear Lord Christ, the beginning, the middle, 
and end of whatever spiritual and divine thoughts I may have, whether by day or night. One article. Faith in my dear Lord Christ. The thing that really drew me to the quote was the idea that he, he talked about the beginning, the middle, and the end. Well, that's, that's what I'm suggesting. I became a Christian and I started in Galatians. I started a church and I went to Galatians. I'm moving towards the end of my ministry and I'm going to conclude with the book of Galatians. Because... Very few places in the New Testament can you turn where the gospel is so front and center, where, where its definition is the very intent of the book, the design of the book. Um, so um, that, was, that was another reason that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of wired like that Martin Luther quote. That is, I have one article. I'm drawn to anything gospel-esque because it's that gospel, this gospel of grace that's going to set you free, ladies and gentlemen. And that's something that's very important to me and to us. Let me me tell you a story. Um, The book of Galatians played a very huge role in the Protestant Reformation. Uh, And it continues to play a huge role today. But one of the stories that came out of the Reformation, or at least their close around the Reformation, was a story that was told by John Bunyan. Uh, you know who John Bunyan, he wrote Pilgrim's Progress. John Bunyan was a, um, I mean, he's, we study Pilgrim's Progress in my grace group. Um, but it, in fact, Pilgrim's Progress, next to the Bible, is the most widely read Christian piece of literature ever, ever. So if you've never read Pilgrim's Progress, you've been left behind. Uh, get Pilgrim's Progress and read it. But John Bunyan wrote it, and uh, in a particular, uh, I'm, I'm, these, are, these are words from Bunyan's mouth, where he was particularly aware of his original and inward pollution and, a wretched, uh, and wretched in the knowledge of my transgressions. He's in a period of his life where he was, he's particularly aware of his sin. And, and, and in that period of his life, he says he began to look around for something that would help satisfy the achings of his soul. He said, rummaging around, he found an old copy um, ready to fall to pieces of Martin Luther's commentary on Galatians. And this is what he said. When I had but little, when I had but a little way perused, I found my condition in his experience so largely and profoundly handled as if his book had been written out of my heart. I prefer this book of Martin Luther on Galatians, accepting the Holy Bible, before all the books that ever I have seen, and listen, as most fit for a wounded conscience. Do you, you get the idea? I mean, John Bunyan is in a period of his life. His, he's, his conscience is smitten. He's aware that he's, he's, he's sinful. Um, you know, so he's struggling spiritually, let's say. And so he begins to look for something that will satisfy the, the, the groanings of his soul. And he stumbles upon a copy of Martin Luther's commentary on the book of, of Galatians. 
And he says, as I read it, it was like it came out of my heart, not his. And I discovered that this is my favorite book um, of all times, but it's the most suited, the most fit, for a wounded conscience. John Bunyan says that Galatians, the message of Galatians, is the message most fit for a wounded conscience. Anybody got one of those in here? Anybody blow it lately, or am I the only one? Am I the only one that blows it? Huh? Well, the message that you need to hear is the message of the Apostle Paul contained in the book of Galatians. Um, This is kind of an interesting little note, too. This is kind of a side note, but Luther lectured on Galatians in 1519, and he lectured on it again in 1523. Um, he called it his favorite among New Testament books. He called it my epistle. Can you imagine that? Martin Luther called Galatians my epistle. And he says, um, to it I am as it were in wedlock. It is my Catherine. You know who Catherine is? Catherine was his wife. You ever read anything about Katie my rib? Luther wrote a book called Katie, My Rib. You know, the rib in, in Genesis 3, you know. Uh, and he called, uh, she, was a, she was a former nun. And of course, he broke from the Roman Catholic Church, she broke from the Roman Catholic Church, and they married. And he, wrote, he writes this book called Katie, My Rib. It's, it's, it's really good. But he calls Galatians, it is as it were, no, I am as it were in wedlock. It is my Catherine. Galatians is as my Catherine. It's as my wife. You know, guys, I'm, I'm on the, the dramatic end of the spectrum, as you well know. But um, I am drawn to the book like that. And maybe it was because when I first became a Christian in 1970, somebody said, hey, why don't you teach this Bible study and, and, and do that book on, on uh, Galatians, and here's a book called, we call it a commentary. Maybe that's the reason. I don't know. But I do know that one thing that always exhilarates me about the book of Galatians is somebody who has the fortitude to stand in front of the world and say, if you tamper with that gospel, may you go to hell. Aren't you tired of people saying half the truth? Well, the Apostle Paul lets it fly in the book of Galatians. And then he attacks. You know, there's this scene in the book of Galatians where he and Peter fight in front of the whole audience. They fight. It says face to face. I called him down face to face. Why? What was at stake? I'll tell you what was at stake. Well, the gospel was at stake. You know, what else was at stake? The wounded consciences of God's people. They need to hear this. They need to hear how grace quiets the woundedness of a conscience. They need to hear that. And by the way, not just tonight, because you didn't blow it just last week. You're going to blow it next week. 
and the week after that, and the week after that, and the week after that. And there's still some skeletons that are hanging in some closets out there that you haven't dealt with yet. Well, I've been a Christian nine years, but I still got those skeletons hanging in my. You know what you need to hear? You need to hear the message of the book of Galatians. Now, this is the interesting part, or one of the interesting parts. Um, when, I, when I first did the book of Galatians, I, this is what I had, as I told you. Um, and I, I've still got those notes, I've still got the notes. But I would have sworn to you that I had Luther's commentary on the book of Galatians. I would have sworn to you that somewhere in the course of 40 years of ministry, I had bought that book. So I began to, when I was praying about this in the spring, I began to rummage around in my, my, um, my library to find it. I don't have it. Um, and come to find out, it hadn't been in print in years. Um, and you could probably get one at Amazon, et cetera, et cetera. But um, I began to look for something. Well, I'm, I'm, Luther's commentary on Galatians has become famous for two reasons. It became... Um, it became famous because of his explanation of the text itself, which we'll get to eventually, I promise. Um, it was, it was it originally 731 pages um, of nine by, um, six by nine pages. All of his exegesis was, was in there. And so when they, when they printed it, they took all that out of there. And, and, under, and that's, you, you really don't need that. You just need to hear his explanations of, of the text. But there was something else that it became famous for. In fact, it took on a life of its own. And it's called the preface to the commentary on Luther's preface to Galatians. The preface took on a life of its own. And so I, thinking that I had plenty of commentary uh, help to, to, to go back to Galatians, I began to look for the preface online. The preface. That's all I was looking for. Turns out that a guy that I have never heard of has just translated that commentary from Latin. It's very wooden reading, reading because it's, it's right from Latin. But I can, I can handle that. But included, what's the preface? <laughs> the preface, guys, is lengthy. And it's broken up into theses. You remember, you remember um, uh, Martin Luther nailed the 95 theses on the church door at Wittenberg? Well, Luther apparently loved to talk about theses. Well, his preface is broken up into theses. I've never had it before. I've never had the preface. <laughs> I mean, um, this does not include the preface to, um, to, his, to his commentary. For the first time in 40 years of ministry, I got my hands on it. And the commentary, and the commentary also. Um, and I'm telling you, we could spend from now until Christmas on the preface. <laughs> We're not. 
because um, I'm going to finish up before I'm 71. Um, we're going to race right through here, and we'll get through, you know, before Halloween, maybe. But, but in the preface, ladies and gentlemen, there is such richness broken down into theses, and I'm not going to do all of the theses that are found in the preface. But, but what all, I, all I'm saying is, um, as I'm praying as to what I should do, um, some of these issues begin to pop up like the, uh, the, the prosperity gospel. Um, of course, this other issue about seven years off your purgatory, if you tweet me um, while I'm in Brazil. What kind of nonsense have we gotten to, ladies and gentlemen? I mean, that was, I'd already made up my mind then, but my point is, um, as I'm looking for leadership from God, when I got my hands on the preface, I thought, I've never, I've never even read the preface. But I have now. And I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, before we even get to Galatians 1.1, there is available for you, <laughs> via Martin Luther, some, some wonderful help for consciences that are wounded. And there is some wonderful definition of what the gospel is and what you need to know because it will set you free. And so, with all of that, um, I, decided, I decided I'd do the book of Galatians. Guys, um, we're going to start by looking at these theses um, in the preface, and then we'll get to the text itself. But that's several weeks away. I, I don't know how long it's going to take. But um, l- let me just, just, just to give you a preview. Um, he begins to talk in the preface about kinds of righteousness. And he says that Christian righteousness is different from all other kinds of righteousness. Do you understand that? You need to. I promise you, you need to. Because, ladies and gentlemen, the the stock in trade of most religionists today, the only understanding of righteousness they have, is self-righteousness. And that will ruin you. It will ruin you. And so he begins to talk about Christian righteousness and how different it is from all other um, uh, presentations of righteousness. That the Christian gospel is different from all other gospel messages. It's different, ladies and gentlemen. And I can promise you, it has nothing to do with you being prosperous. 
And it has nothing to do with diminishing or lessening your stay in purgatory. And vast numbers of this planet believe that it does. So, I I think you'll find, because of Luther and his great work on this book, I think you'll find I think you'll find help in a lot of ways. But pastorally speaking, one of the things that I, I, that I hope to accomplish is to enable you to deal with the wounds that you carry around in your conscience. You got them. And, and I, I'm, I'm kind of sorry that you do I'm glad you take sin seriously. But ladies and gentlemen, there is, there is balm for those wounds available. And it's found in the gospel. And that's what this book defines. And we're going to define it in the hopes that God's people will grow healthier and healthier. Our Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the privilege that I have to teach it. And I pray that you will uh, enable me to teach it well. But I thank you for the kind providences that you have um, that you have steered into my path to lead me, and and um, um, even at the very beginning of my Christian life, uh, bringing this book into my life. And then, um, and then returning it as um, as I get closer to the end of my ministry, uh, Father, I thank you that the the gospel that I believed in 1970 is the gospel that I get to promote and protect in 2013, and I pray that your people will be benefited that uh, the gospel will be um, exalted, that Jesus Christ would be enthroned, and that your people will grow healthier and healthier. That's our, that's our, our, our goal, Lord, and it cannot be accomplished um, in the flesh. Would you, um, would you, by the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, take us a long ways towards conformity to Christ? And we ask it, of course, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to all that. We'll uh, we'll talk about some theses next week.